Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the last lap podcast. And this podcast, unlike uh, poor old Pastor Maldonado, is back for another season. <laughs> hey! <laughs> but also, boo! I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little sad by by that news. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I am your host, Andrew Pearson, and as always, beside me to commentate on everything Formula One 2016 is Sean Gray. Hello! It's exciting, exciting to be back at last. <laughs> exactly. It's been a, it's been a funny winter. Because testing seems to have taken an age to start this season. Is it just me, or it seems to have started later than it usually does? Testing like I, a couple a couple of weeks later than normal, so it felt it felt like I don't know. It took like there was it felt bigger than usual the the winter break. Yeah, it was a it was definitely a shorter time. It was a shorter testing period, wasn't it? This this year they've cut down even further the amount of preseason testing. So I think that's why it started a little bit later. And I think in in a way. We had kind of a slightly, for a lot of neutrals, an unsatisfactory season last year. So I get the feeling yeah. that people have been wanting this season to start in the hopes that they will get something different. That's true. I've got a friend, a good friend of mine, who is a good Formula One fan, but not a, not a major Formula One fan. And he he's uh, he's the type of guy who was you know not not digging the uh, the Mercedes dominance last season. He actually said to me. He would get up and watch Melbourne, and if Mercedes were at the front, that would probably be the last race he'd watch in the season. So, oh yeah. dear. <laughs> Touch wood, fingers crossed, it'll be a bit close, a bit closer <laughs> than last year. I think it might be. I'm optimistic. That's a, that's a, so I was going to say, that's a change for this podcast. That's not, <laughs> that's not our usual I, style, is it, really? <laughs> got the Ferrari, Ferrari uh, colours nailed to my mast, I'm... Feeling good about the season ahead. Well, let's start off with a couple of things maybe we can complain about then. Uh, <laughs> just to just to take the time back uh, to what I can figure one, yeah. Okay, I can figure one. <laughs> so the, I can figure a couple, yeah. Yep, yeah, good. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to complain about is the new tire regulations for this season. Uh, yep. I had a feeling you would. I had Good. a feeling you would. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are the kind of things that I think by now Sean and most of our listeners realise really get up my nose. Um, so we have this ungodly, unwieldy tyre situation that sprung from an idea that I think a lot of people were quite passionate about. A lot of fans were quite behind the idea of letting the teams choose the tyre compounds. Um, I must say... I was never that fussed because I thought that in the end what will happen is that everybody will end up picking the same tyre choices because evidently there will be the best, you know, the best strategy for the weekend. Yeah. So all the, all, the team, all the computers will, in theory, all come up with the same strategy, you would think. Yes. I, 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 they're, all, they're all running similar data and software that's going to come up with ultimately the same, same solution. Absolutely. I think after the first couple of Grand Prix, everybody will understand where the tyres are roughly, one, one way or the other. And then everybody will know what they want to do across a race weekend. Um, yeah. But let, let me see if I can trawl from from memory exactly how this is supposed to work. Um, the teams get um, well, I can't even remember the number now, but a, a large selection of tyres, which they have to um, they have to have chosen several. Well, as it turns out, months before, but several weeks before each Grand Prix. Uh, it's not just done, you know, the weekend before. 
Um, they get a set for um, uh, practices. They get um, to choose from two compounds, two mandatory compounds that Pirelli say for each race plus one of their own, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, this is already too complicated. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's already not free choice, which then, to me, totally undermines the idea of saying <laughs> so, that the teams have free choice of so, tyre selection. It's already not fun. <laughs> like, I'm already tired. And I'm only, <laughs> we've only just started explaining it. Like, it's, For me, it was a not broke, don't fix it almost kind of thing. Like, but what we had currently was was fine like not ideal maybe but but generally fine there were more impressing issues for me so yeah carry on trying to explain it because I, uh, I, I could do a listening to it because i'm not 100 percent sure how it works myself so. yeah so once practice is done and we go into quality a load of the tires get given back and they don't get to use them again which seems really a, a pointless in and of itself because like I would have thought that you should have allowed teams to say, oh, okay, well, we'll do a little bit less practice running so that we've got extra tyres for quality. And then that would have made sense to me because I would have thought that, do you know what I mean? Okay, that, that cuts into a little bit of practice time, but the teams really need that setup time. So there's always a gamble there that, you know, you can take extra stuff in, but you might actually find when you get into quality, you've not quite perfected the setup anyway. Um, so they go into quality really with the same amount of tyres that they've always had, um, but with a little bit of choice over what they can take into it. Um, so they can have you know they could potentially keep some ultra softs for quality three if they feel that they're going to get through it um, and then you know the next soft you know uh, normal softs or super softs ultra and super soft and then soft I think isn't it is, is the way it works um, to do do you know to do most of their qualifying um, if they get into Q3 they get one com uh, one set of tyres extra like they do now um, so that they're not compromised by doing the extra quality session. Uh, but when that session is done, that set of tyres gets given back. And then we're back to the same thing that we've had before, in which they must use two tyre compounds during the race. I think, I think, that they are not, it doesn't have to be the two mandated ones, so long as they use one of those mandated ones, plus if they want to choose the, the other one, then they can. And I, I'm pretty sure... That's what I've gleaned from reading the <laughs> rules several times a few, you know, a few weeks ago. But in itself, it just goes to show that, you know, I'm a, <laughs> a self-confessed F1 geek who spends a lot of time looking at technical regs and bits and pieces and trying to understand them. And if I'm not really getting hold of it and, the, you know, the pundits on TV are struggling to explain it to the viewers, then... That tells the story, doesn't it? That tells everything about it. I mean, you're far more into that kind of side of things than I am, and and if if you're if you're saying to me, this is a mess, then I I, I believe you, and I I already don't even want to touch it. Like I can't I can't even be bothered <laughs> thinking about it. If you're saying it's messy, that's good enough for me. I'm out, kid. So, uh, like like I said, it was it was fine the way it was for me. Like, I don't know. No, uh, yeah. it, it wasn't broken. Nobody was sitting there thinking really you, that, that tyre selection was the big bugbear of F1. Do you know it? what all, all I really wanted from tyres was uh, anybody gets the Q3 gets a free quality super soft set to set their final time on. 
to make them all go out, a free set that's not included in the race. If you get in a Q3, here's a free set of tyres that can only be used in Crew 3, go set a fast time on it. Now, that would, that, that, I think that would have been a good idea, and other than that, I'm fine with what the tyres was. Well, see, the interesting thing now is, is it, this leads directly into the next thing that's a real big problem. Uh... <laughs> the, the <laughs> what, new... what was I saying about being optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we'd try and get these horrible things out of the way first, and then we can be, be vaguely so positive about complex some of the complex for complexity's sake. <laughs> Go on, then. So, Introduce us to what's coming next. The new qualifying rule. Uh, dreamt up by the strategy group uh, apparently in not in you know communication with anybody else in the sport you know yeah. none, none, of, none of the, the media people none of the drivers <laughs> none of the teams not even the FIA necessarily although some, the FIA some, have ratified it some of the quotes from the drivers is brilliant that we get interviewed like heard about this new qualified system and they're just like what what qualified system like <laughs> <laughs> you don't know we don't know anything um, again <sighs> I haven't really, you know, I've been kind of forgetting the details of it because it's just annoyed me so much and then I just kind of <laughs> switched off from it. But the the basics of it are that we will have, um, it was described as the Royal Rumble um, <laughs> stuff, which I kind of liked because I'll, I'll take anything that merges two of my passions. But it's the opposite of the Royal Rumble. In the Royal Rumble, you get somebody new every two minutes. And that yeah. in itself might be quite a fun <laughs> fun way of qualifying. If you say, um, you know, the slowest people have to start and then they have to just keep on going around and every two minutes you add <laughs> another car until it gets so completely messy. That, that, yeah, you know. it's more of a 25-man a, a battle royal where they already all start in the ring. Every minute someone gets chucked <laughs> out, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they will all be on track. I don't know how that works either, whether they start from the starting line. Do they all line up on the grid somehow? Assumably they just come out the pits. No, I can't. I just, well, then how do, you, how do you work out who goes first? Because surely if you're out first, you have you know the better chance of getting out and setting a quick well, because lap. Because there's like a five-minute window at the start where you've just got to set a time. The way I understood it would be to be the first, quali- the first part of qualifying, Q1. You've got five minutes to set a time. Everybody goes out and sets a time. And then they start incrementally kicking people out. But everybody has to be on the track. That was that was the thing I got. Yeah, and in that five minutes, they come out the pits onto the track like they normally would and set a time. But then they can't come back in, though, can they? I have no idea. I'll be honest, I have no and idea. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen anything that's clarified that for me, so I don't know whether they can go out, like set a time, come back in. Yeah, like pit, refuel, put pit, tires on, whatever. Can, I have no but idea. But can they? Can they refuel? Or do no they idea. have to have enough? Do they have to have enough fuel to last the whole of the session? In which case, it then becomes more important whether they can pit because if they can't pit, then they've got to put on tyres that can give them a quick time on full fuel. Well, not full it, fuel, but you know, sort of five laps worth of or but, ten yeah, laps. They equally have to last, so the these skinny super soft things won't last five or six no. laps. No. So so then what do you do? You you run out, and presumably what you would do is. Um, fuel as skinny as you feel you can go out on this superest super soft try and set an incredible lap time in the first and then pootle about until the next period that you can come in mm-hmm. is, is, you know because as soon as you start doing it every two minutes surely everybody has to be out on the track don't they just going around otherwise why is it any different than qualifying now I have. and this I is this is where it gets me is that in the end, one way, one of two things will happen. They'll either all go out, set their fastest laps very quickly, and then pootle about on the track not doing very much. Or they'll do the opposite, in which they'll come onto the track, pootle around trying to build enough as much fuel as possible, 
and then try and set fast laps right at the end of the qualifying in the hopes that they can knock somebody out, you know, because the other person doesn't get a chance to set a quick time. Yep. At, at which point you've done nothing for the actual on-track action other than force the cars to be out on track. All, all, all you've doing done nothing. is all you've done is the casual Saturday. Someone comes in. I've got a day off work on the Saturday. They're flicking through the channels. Oh, the Formula One qualifies on. I'll tune that in. Five minutes, they're going to turn their television off. Go, what the hell was that? Like, that's just yeah. carnage. Like, no, nobody's doing anything. They're all just sort of going the track, a, getting in each other's way. It's just a and mess. Yeah. And you can't penalise somebody for getting in the way now, can you? Because, uh, like, what's a man supposed to do? If it's supposed to be going around trying its best to set its quickest lap time all of the time, but it's still going to be three seconds off a Mercedes, so it's going to be a mobile speed trap. So that just means then all the laps are a lottery because it depends whether you get stuck behind just, a manor uh, yeah, in, in the slow section. It's just going to be pure section. carnage, yeah. Pure <laughs> carnage and a complete luck whether you've managed to get yourself where you need to, which is, by the signs of things, what they want. <laughs> but then, uh, which is just artificial nonsense and well, isn't going to create good sport. That is exactly what I've said in everything. Is If everybody, well, not everybody, but I know you hear it a lot on, on you know on Twitter, on Facebook, and all these things, that DRS is artificial overtaking you know it, it it's not real racing it's a you know a, a go faster button and it's all wrong and all the other bits and pieces but surely this qualifying is worse than drs i agree it's, it's uh, designed to make qualifying a lottery not whether the fastest person really goes through because the fastest person may have every single one of their laps messed up by another car it's like going back to the tires it's the same it's if it isn't broke don't fix it and it wasn't. It wasn't even just that this qualifying wasn't broken. It was this qualifying was actually, as far as I was concerned, and the places that I read, universally kind of accepted that the best system that we've had for a long time. <laughs> most places that I would frequent like this qualifying system more than more than the last several incarnations of qualifying. So it wasn't even just a ain't broke, don't fix it. It was actually, this is quite good, and you've just completely ruined it. Well, when was the last time you heard anybody complain about the qualifying? No, qualifying's fine. It's, it's been fine for like the last fine. 10 years. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's it's actually quite good. There's a bit of excitement with the knockouts, peppered with a generally fair system. Yes, it's it, 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 you'd have to say that, isn't it? It's very rare that you actually think when somebody gets knocked out, unusually in that qualifying system you think well that was completely unlucky yeah, because if they've messed up it's usually because they've thought that they've been safe and then they haven't yeah, gone out or again they've, or they've put it in the wall or they've had an engine blow up or you know it, it's a bit there's a bit of drama mixed with generally the fairest system yeah and and like you say nobody's been talking about qualifying because it's, it's been Right, it's been correct. It's been done how it should be. It's not something that needed addressed. Of all the things that we've discussed over the last five years on what needs fixed in Formula One, I don't think anybody has mentioned qualifying once. No. No. We certainly didn't talk about it at all no. last year. There are and three ways if, there was, if there's something we can complain about in Formula One, we pretty much have done by now. Yeah, exactly. To me, there are three ways to do qualifying in Formula One. The, the system that we had last year, which as I've mentioned, I think is probably the best. One lap shootout that we had briefly for a while where you get one lap and that's it. Mm -hmm. You mess it up, you're done. Or the old style of here's an hour, set as many laps as you want, fastest time wins yep. at the end of it. Those are the three ways to do qualifying. We've had all three in the last 20 years. 
I think the one we currently have is the best. This new one that they've come up with is just it's it's of it's, it's of such insanity. It's like someone <laughs> someone's just made it when high on something LSD or something. It's just madness. It, it, it's uh, it's utterly bizarre that some Formula One high level Formula One people presumably can lock themselves in a room and think that this is okay and then just go <laughs> yeah this is what we'll do. It's just nonsense. Did you see Alonso? was one to come out and criticise it, and I'm sure others were as well. Uh, Fernando was asked, how do you feel about the new the new qualified system? And he just replied, sad. <laughs> 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 he, he went on to elaborate why he felt sad, but his initial response was just, I feel sad. <laughs> he said he preferred the one lap, go out, set a time, and if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Which, to be fair, I didn't mind that system either, but, well, yeah... What we currently have is, it's frustrating because it's quite, ob- it's not even just the best, it's quite obviously the best. It's mm-hmm. like, you want to shake the people who think that it isn't, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that it doesn't come in, but it's starting to look like it will, I think. Well, it was, it was reported <laughs> that it wasn't going to be in until um, a few races in. I can't remember which race they initially said it was going to be in might have been spain possibly yeah um, that sounds about right uh, but now, that but now they suggested australia yeah but well, <laughs> now i terrifying. think it has gone back to being australia i'm pretty sure it's going to be for the first race they're but going they... to turn up on saturday in australia and the drivers are just going to be like have i qualified i don't know <laughs> well it, do you know what the thing it reminds me of Oh, sorry, something's just fallen off the bed. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> this is um, not me jumping out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I haven't. Yeah, it's not gotten that bad yet. Um, start the season <laughs> and I'm already killing myself. No. Um, it reminds me of, like, the Strictly Come Dancing, where they're all dancing on the thing and then somebody goes over and taps somebody on the shoulder to say, nope, you're out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like, okay, yeah. I used to play that game at, like, school discos. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it's madness, absolute madness. I've not seen it praised in a, uh, in the same way that I haven't seen the old system criticised anywhere. I haven't seen this system praised anywhere. I haven't seen anybody go, that sounds like a good idea, because <laughs> it just isn't. <laughs> no, no, it, it absolutely isn't. <laughs> um, let's move on to more positive things um, and talk about how winter testing has gone and, and what we feel that means for... Uh, each of the teams and the drivers in the teams, um, mm-hmm. because well, that... I think, unlike uh, certainly the last two years, um, you know, and especially 20, um, 2014 when the new turbos came in, and um, pretty much everybody <laughs> had the worst winter testing that they'd had for for a long time. Um, uh, and obviously, last season wasn't great for everybody. Um, I think generally most of the teams probably worked away feeling fairly confident about you know what they brought to the table would you say in general looking at how everything sort of went down you think there's nobody who's really terribly upset about how winter te- testing went no i think that's probably a fair assessment uh it, it went more or less how i would i would have expected it to go uh as, a, as i said at the start as a ferrari fan i'm feeling pretty good uh I don't expect to be ahead of Mercedes immediately, but I certainly think Ferrari have made progress towards Mercedes. Uh, 
tough to know from the testing times, obviously, but I'm, I'm optimistic. How do you feel as as a as a died in the wool McLaren fan? Uh, the season. I'm much happier about you know what's going to happen. Um, I think we'll come onto it and I'll go into more detail on it. But I'm not um, in you know I'm not expecting miracles from the team. But I, I certainly don't envisage having a. It's going to be another. It's not going to be another 2015. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of the pretty much where I am on that. I think it's definitely going to be a season uh, maybe not to remember but a season to not be quite so uh, completely pessimistic as as it clearly was uh, about last season so let's start with um mercedes really because we've got to start with the current um the current champions mm-hmm. an incredible number of laps um yeah by the team, um, Just bulletproof, eh? complete bulletproof from day one. Quite literally, from day one, um, it's it's incredible that for three seasons, really, that they've gone into winter testing and have been able to have done that. Whilst other teams have, you know, generally still been struggling for reliability and outright performance, um, it was pointed out to me on Facebook that um, they didn't test, I believe, on anything faster than the soft tyres. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, That's mental, isn't it? And they were fast. That's <laughs> men- it's mental that they didn't feel that they could, they needed to go onto the super softs or even test the ultra softs, you know, a completely new tyre. They absolutely focused on soft and medium. Ra- ra- race pace, Long stints, high fuel load, and reliability. And it's like they knew their car was quick already without even running it, <laughs> and just so they just focused on the on the long the long stunt the long stint stuff. They didn't. We we know we've got a fast car. We don't need to worry about about that low fuel business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you, you, I mean, you'd have to say that you know to to some extent the race pace. Uh, consistency was probably the only thing that was missing from the Mercedes from last year. Occasionally they would turn up and they just wouldn't seem to be able to get the car to work quite the way it went and it would mean that other teams, you know, were, were closer to them and then other, you know, other times they'd turn up and it would work uh, work beautifully and they'd just disappear into the distance and it wouldn't even be a contest. So, you, uh, you know, they're not going to have lost the speed that they had uh, and they had, you know, what, uh, a second second and a half on pretty much everybody or more. Um, maybe a bit less for Ferrari, but even so. Um, and if winter testing is the only testing that you get to do before it, well, why wouldn't you, if you are confident about your, your race pace, try and maximise your performance on the poorer compounds? You know, the the things where... You know, people were saying, oh, well, uh, the Ferrari heats up its tyres better, so it's, you know, on the on the harder compounds it's doing, you know, uh, it's doing better. So why not work on that? If that's that's where you feel that, you know, you were losing performance to other teams, it's what you've got to focus on, isn't it, really? That's mm-hmm. simple simple logic tells you that. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's scary to think a team is that confident to... <laughs> to begin with, it they can they can just say yeah we don't really you know don't even need to see how fast yeah. we could possibly go. 
you know, soft is soft is good enough for us to do our our to test our outright pace. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, drivers again for this season: Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. <coughs> You're right. Careful. Oh, <coughs> oh dear. Is that Lewis Hamilton yeah, getting probably, stuck in your right, throat? Is that that's for... probably right down your ear with this mic right <laughs> at my attached to my face. Uh, sorry, you had to start that saying into the drivers again. <laughs> So Mercedes have the same drivers as they had for uh, the previous season, obviously. Um, current champion Lewis Hamilton and second place man Nico Rosberg. Yep. Do you do you see that there could be a change? Does does the end of last season make you think that maybe Nico's got something in his head right, or was that just Hamilton taking his eye off the ball and you know he'll it's come back? It's the million in? dollar question, isn't it? There's an advert on Sky at the moment that. Uh, for Formula One that for the new season that, that leads with a headline, Can Anyone Catch Lewis? And it came on earlier and and, uh, and Jennifer actually said to me, she she says, No, nobody'll catch him, will he? Will 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 they? And I and I sat and thought for a minute and I was like my heart obviously says, Yeah, Nico could challenge on my head. I don't know. I really don't know. Um I like to think so. The way Nico drove it last season was was excellent. But Lewis, you have to assume he wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a hundred percent Lewis Hamilton that we seen at the end of last season. I think that's that was clear. Do you think? Do you think some aspect of the end of last season was Lewis Hamilton seeing if he could cajole the team to give him, you know, special treatment because. He felt he deserved to be the outright number one driver. Do you think maybe he? Uh, he... To be fair to Lewis, and I'm critical of Lewis for many things, but I, I don't think he's particularly bothered by that kind of thing. He's just going to turn up, and I think Lewis just turns up, drives the car fast, and nine times out of ten wins the races. I don't think he's he's really that bothered about about things like statuses and stuff because in his own mind he is he is the king anyway. So I don't think he's really bothered about that kind of thing. I think he just, he, he, he's. I think he's comfortable in his own ability. Which, to be fair, why wouldn't you be? And and he's happy to just turn up and win races and let his let his driving on the track do the talking. The uh, the end of the season stuff last season, I think, was just him. Was a reflection of his sort of post sort of two thousand and twelve mentality and attitude towards his celebrity lifestyle, and and that. You know, he, 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 because he had it in the bag, he was he was thinking more about other things. But when when it when it's when it's uh, when it's all to play for, he will be focused, and he's a, he's a he's a more than fair favourite to win the title again. Do you think if Nico doesn't win it this season, he should be? Hightailing out of Mercedes and trying to find. If the, if the first question was the hundred million dollar question, that's certainly the ninety nine million dollar question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, does he doesn't want to? Does he want to be Rubens Barrichello? That's the thing, and he obviously doesn't. We discussed it before. It's a good life being Rubens Barrichello. He'll win plenty of Grand Prix and make plenty of money. He could take a punt and go somewhere else, like Red Bull or wherever. Probably win less, maybe make less money. 
Only Nico Rosberg, I guess, can answer that. I, I think no. I think even if he doesn't win this year, I think he'll still still be there. Okay. What do you think? Do you think he would leave? Uh, I think I... Nico Rosberg really likes being a Mercedes driver. I think he really likes being the German driver in the German team, the, the famous Silver Arrows colours. I think... I think... I don't know. It's really difficult to say, but... I don't know a German who would settle for true being second place. It doesn't seem to be in their nature in sport too. <laughs> what I would say to that is uh, I would I would play devil's advocate and argue that Nico Rosberg isn't really, He's really German. German. <laughs> <laughs> He's only a little bit German. <laughs> About 13% or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very difficult one. Only Nico can answer that. But I, just the way, just just from his social media posts and that, I just think he loves. I think he loves being based in that team. I think he loves all the, all the things that come with being a Mercedes driver. The type of sponsorship gigs that they do, the people that they meet. Everything, everything away from the track seems to, seems to suit Nico Rosberg in that team. Uh, Possibly more than it suits Lewis Hamilton, who just wants to go to LA and party. But so yeah, I think I I I, I can't see I can't see Nico leaving anytime soon. I think I think in reality, if twenty seventeen ends up a bust with the regulation changes and it and it still turns out that either he's not as quick as Lewis or uh, worse still, he's not as quick as Lewis and other cars are ahead of him. I can imagine that he might consider other options, other avenues, because oh. it's entirely possible to be a success other other way, you know, anywhere else. And um, I have still been somebody who, you know, came second in several world F F one championships. It, it's enough to get him a seat, probably in you know anywhere he wants in WEC. And mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, definitely a Le Mans drive. Um, he could do sure. Formula E if he really so wants to. So we just to, suggest that if he leaves. If he leaves Mercedes, it won't be for an RF1 team, do you I think? can't really see where he'd go. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, if he... Yeah, if he leaves Mercedes, I think it will be for... Uh, see, I, can, I can't see Ferrari wanting him. Um, nah, not... I don't... I just Ferrari, don't see He's it. ultimately just going to be in the same position, but behind Vettel, isn't he? So Yes. Vettel's, uh, Vettel's the king of Ferrari now for the next at least five seasons. So, like... Even Kimi Raikkonen has sort of accepted that a little bit, you know. Like anybody who goes into that seat at Ferrari knows what they're getting into, whether it be a Hulkenberg or someone like that down the line. They know they're going in as ultimately Vettel's slight inferior. The only thing that would be quite funny, wouldn't it, be if um, Jensen or Fernando retired? Uh, and Nick could drive a McLaren, and then he he managed to jump into the McLaren at the right time that won the won him his world title that, yeah, in, that, in Lewis's old team would be oh, that that would be funny. No, that would be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, okay, so Mercedes we feel are going to do well. Lewis has yeah. probably got the edge, but he's fair favourite. But um, but we we give Nico some hope I, this I, season. I would say just quickly before we move on that if if Nico takes it to the last. Of, Grand Prix or two, and ultimately loses out to Lewis. I don't see any changes next season for twenty seventeen. However, if he gets absolutely trounced every week by Lewis, then then he might he might 
you might move on. Okay. Um, so we spoke about them briefly there. Um, the Scuderia Ferrari, um, same driver license, uh, driver license, driver lineup uh, as last season: Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen. Um, as last season, topping the timesheets, um, looking pretty reliable whilst they were doing it, um, and <laughs> well, last year it didn't do them very much good. Do you feel <laughs> that 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 winter testing this time is? Uh- as I've alluded to, I'm more optimistic than I was, even even at the end of last season. I'm, I, it's hard to tell with these testing, as you, you very well know. But I've, I've you know I've done my fair share of looking over the times and reading the articles and the analysis, and I think there's reason to be positive. Uh, I don't think they'll be ahead of Mercedes, but I think they'll be comfortably second best, and probably I would say they'll be a couple of tenths closer to Mercedes than they were last season, and that's progress. So, do you feel they, could they be faster than the Mercedes, uh, either in quality or in the race? Uh, over the season, I would say probably consistently not. Maybe in the odd Grand Prix that particularly suits their setup, similarly to last year. That's probably a bit of a copy answer, but yeah, ultimately probably not overall. Uh I reckon they're still going to be a couple of tens down, generally speaking. What do you think? Uh, I think that's probably true. Um, I don't think, um, I don't think the Ferrari will have made the gains that they are hoping to on the Mercedes. I think they might possibly make a few tenths um, on the law of diminishing returns on what Mercedes can actually do to their car to make it quicker. That's fair. Um, but I think. I think the ultimate pace of that Mercedes is so locked in. It's just a phenomenal car at the end of the day. uh, Well, uh, I think, you know, they have built and exploited everything for the rule changes that they knew were coming and worked really, really hard on it whilst all the other teams were pretty much uh, fighting the current regulations. And that has allowed that team to build a car that is so perfectly set up for these regulations that... Um, you don't see. I don't see how any other team can really reverse engineer their existing designs to be better than than that design it, yep. in season in in limited winter testing. You know, because Mercedes didn't have to um, didn't have to abide by the same testing rules when they were building those engines and cars because it wasn't for the 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 current you know car. They weren't testing it in the current chassis or anything like that. So I just don't. I, I struggle to see any team beating Mercedes until something changes and that's not this season, that's next season. So Yeah, I, I generally do agree. I think last season on average Ferrari were maybe five, six tenths down. I think this season it might be three, but still ultimately. Yeah, I think we might we might see better qualifying battles. because um, I think they're on, you know, skinny fuel not saving tyres and all the other bits and pieces. Oh, you say that, but we don't know what's coming. Well, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> if it was the old could be Anaheim, mate. Could be Anaheim. Um, Who knows what we're going to see? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I generally do agree with that uh, in theory, uh, that statement. Um, driver lineups. I mean, Sebastian Vettel is a, you know... You're He's not, the man. He's you the are, You are not going to be replacing Sebastian Vettel regardless of the fact that, you know, he didn't win the title last season or something ridiculous. Are you still surprised to see Kimi Räikkönen in that race seat? Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. But 
I've one more season of Kimmy. It's, 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 I don't think it makes a massive amount of difference either way, whether whether he was replaced this season or replaced in a year's time. He, he's at the end of the day, he's still Kimmy Raikkonen. Uh, he's just seemed to ha- he's had a, he had an awful lot of bad luck. Uh, I think one more season is fair. Um, had they got rid of him, uh, you could you could see why they would make a case for getting rid of him. But I'm I'm pretty on the fence with it. Like I'm 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 fifty fifty. Uh, I'm happy to have him for another year. But had they replaced him with say Nico Hulkenberg or I don't know someone of that ilk, even Robin Grosjean, I would be I'd be fairly content to. At the end of the day, as I said earlier, it's. It's it's a very number two at Ferrari. It's not like Mercedes or even McLaren. It's it's, it's clear, it's, and it always has been going back 20 years, clearly a number two spot. So I don't think it really makes that much of a difference who's in that car, to be honest. Do you think if we hadn't lost uh, Gilles Bianchi, he'd possibly be in the car this season? If he wasn't, he would be in it next season for sure. Okay. But yeah, probably every chance this season. <laughs> what do you think that says f- about Esteban Gutierrez and uh, Alexander Rossi, who are both uh, Ferrari young driver proteges uh, that I can't think, get anywhere near the car? I think neither of them will ever drive a Ferrari. I yes. don't think either of them are any... I, I don't mind them, decent enough guys by the sounds of things, but no better than midfield journeyman for me. Yes. If it, whoever, whoever, when Kimi comes out of that car, I think... The favourite will be Nico Hulkenberg. If Grosjean and the Haas boys get it together, he could put himself right in the frame. Other than that, maybe a Sergio Perez, but or maybe somebody coming through from the GP2 ranks that we don't really know about. Yeah, yet. I must say, I, I don't know who their reserve and test drivers are at the moment. So, But, um, yeah, it's prob- I mean, probably Hulkenberg. Uh, is the favourite you would think to take that seat? If well, he has a good, if Force India turn up this year with a good car and Hockenberg has a good season, he'll put himself right in the frame for Kimmy's drive. Okay. So moving on from Ferrari, let's. Talk... Oh, Bottas! I forgot Bottas. Oh Bottas yeah, true. Time. Well, that's a really good segue, Sean. It's almost, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we planned that, <laughs> like as if such a thing would happen. Uh, Williams, uh, a very very quiet test was my general summation. Um, yes. They were. Looking at the ultimate times, um, they were in the low 123s, um, which put them really on par with um, the Mercedes runs uh, and Force India's fast times. Um, if uh, I was just looking at these, and I, I swear if I look at this, Nico Hulkenberg is on the, the top 10 lap times and he's fifth on the super soft but amazingly he's uh eighth on the ultra soft which doesn't seem to make very much sense but uh anyway um must be fuel lord that's the only I, uh, I can imagine um yeah so they they are well they haven't shown the pace of the ferraris which is a worry because obviously that means you would assume if we take testing times to mean anything that they have lost more ground um, from before. Yep, I would uh, be surprised if they hadn't, and I, I want Williams to succeed. But I'd be surprised if uh, they just seem stagnant. Yeah, it's, and obviously it's tough to tell. But I'd be surprised if they hadn't lost time to Ferrari. Um, you know, and we'll obviously we'll get onto Force India in a bit. But 
you know, we, we can expect that probably Red Bull, and we'll talk about them next, may not be really where they were last season with the, you know, engine frivolities that we've uh, all been experiencing over the, the <laughs> end of last season. Um, and that that car probably isn't as optimised as it, as it needs to be. But I get the feeling that Rebel might possibly um, be taking this season on the chin in the hopes that 2017 provides a bit of a rejuvenation when I think they hope that the regs will come towards them more. Uh, but for Williams, you know, this massive resurgence that they've had over the last few years, um, it's becoming a bit too flash in the pan, isn't it, really? They, no, they just, were the, they were the team to challenge so Mercedes, good. and now they're behind Ferrari. And now, you know... Teams are coming up behind them and taking them over, and they've just stayed in exactly the same spot for the last two seasons, basically, while other teams around them are progressing. Now, why is that? <laughs> what do you reckon the reason for that is? It's because I think Williams has always been a very good mechanical team. Um, and I think they can put together a good car. I just wonder if they've never quite managed to attract the aero and design team with the mindset that you need for modern Formula One. Um, I just wonder if they were stuck, ironically, in McLaren's mindset when McLaren, it was McLaren Mercedes, and it was all about top-end grunt and um, that's what they've gone through and there's there's no finesse in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the car's fast is when you know the track allows it to be fast. But so much of Formula One is not about that these days. Um, that you know, as the other teams get to grips, <laughs> quite literally, with you know aero grip and all the other bits and pieces, they're just sadly being you know left behind. They they can't you know um, they can't change their way of thinking about how the car is set up to to match the way that the sport is going, and that's that's where I fear for them because if twenty seventeen goes more aero heavy and all indications suggest that it probably will um if they're not in a place to take advantage of those regulation changes they're just going to drop down the pecking order even faster um and that's a real shame for uh if we talk about the drivers it's a shame for massa because it means that he's you know never going to have a chance to really show his talent again but it's a real shame for valtteri bottas who everybody has been talking up as this future world champion uh, a shoe in for you know an open vacancy in, in one of the top teams, but Nico Hulkenberg shows you that it doesn't take very much to there not being an opening for a very long time and your team going off the boil before people forget about you. True, true. I was just about to say, I think Botas has done an awful lot. I, th- I think even if Williams had a pretty sloppy season this season, I'm not saying they will, but if they did. I still think Bottas would have quite a good reputation that he would still get get the move. I think, but I think if but they... you're saying Hulkenberg is maybe kind of setting things go well. Maybe you're right, actually. So I don't know. I think there's a case that if they do have that kind of season, he has to um, show up massa. Really, he has to yeah. be that yeah, much true. better to say, well, look, you know, the car's bad, but I'm so good that I can make you know my much more experienced teammate seem 
like you know, a real proper second choice. Uh, because at the moment, I still I think people think that Felipe Massa is the, the lead in the team just because he's so more experienced. And I think he, he needs to break that and say, well, no, look, the, the team is behind me because I am trumping him every, you know, every quality session, every race. I'm just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, Red Bull Racing with their Tag Her engines. Ugh. Who knows what they're going to be this season? Because no. surely, surely because they didn't know what engine they were going to be using until so late last season, that, that affected the design of this year's car. They didn't necessarily know what bits were going to go away and stuff. Like, it, it, it can't have been good you know, environment to design a Formula One car. The uncertainty. So, like you, like you said a minute ago, possibly just take them the whole season on the chin and whatever they can pick up, if they pick up a few points or here and there or podiums or whatever, great, and, and wait for the next season. You might be right with that one. Well, let's, you know, looking at team fastest laps, so the fastest lap that a team produced, uh, Rebel was sixth, the one twenty three five. Do you want to know who was in fifth place? Uh, I think I have the table in front of me. So if it's, the same, if it's the same table I'm looking at, was it Williams, Felipe Massa? No, well, they you must be looking at. You must so this be is at a different table than I am. Yeah, so possibly this is team fastest lap rather than just fastest laps. So um, six was Daniel Ricciardo one twenty three five. Fifth so who, who was, Ma- was Max Verstappen in the Toro Rosso with the one twenty three three. Well, all right, that's interesting then. So, if that is any indication that, you know, that there might be a seismic change between what people consider to be the uh, Red Bull A team uh, and the well, Red Bull B team. Uh, did the Toro Rossos take the Ferrari engine deal? They did, didn't they? They did, yes. So they've got a Ferrari engine. Yeah, they'll probably, they'll probably be better than them this season, just in general. That's probably just a quicker car. <laughs> consistent. <laughs> that's probably just a consistently better package, or, or possibly throughout the year. Like, there's no reason to think why it couldn't be. And the guys like Verstappen and Sainz driving, they know they've got the speed at the wheel. But yeah, you could easily see the Torosso being a consistently better package this season. Frightening for Red Bull to be showing up by their little brothers, but hey, like you say, but then you're gonna not know what engine you're using until bloody November or whatever it was. How can they possibly be prepared for the new season? No, no, it, it, it's not really possible, is it? it? It would be entirely unsurprising if Rebel had a very, very average season by their yeah. their own high standards. And, and you know, to continue on through the grid, Renault, by the same token, because their takeover didn't get completed until God knows when either. So the, surely they were, you know... Not not exactly on the ball with the design of their car with all that going on. So, well, it's an interesting midfield, you know. Yeah, well, but focusing back on Red Bull, that that, that leaves Daniel Ricciardo and uh, Daniel Kvyat mm-hmm. in, shall we say, an averagely midfield car, mm-hmm. um, potentially dicing with their own, you know, what they would have considered their B team, the team that they all graduated from. Yeah. Um, how you know? Mentally, how do you think you have you can deal with that as as a driver? You know, you got promoted to the A team, uh, and especially in Danny mm-hmm. Danny Kvyat's case, very young. You know, um, they've both be been okay. they've both been very good. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I'm not saying suggesting in some way that they you know they should be in 
fear of their jobs or anything. But I think Red Bull as a team right this season are fortunate that they've got the two guys that they've got at their card, that the two the two Daniels. I think are both very chilled young men. Who will probably if everybody in the grid would probably deal with it better than most. Whereas can you imagine if it was Red Bull this season with Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen at the wheel and they were getting overtaken or even Fernando getting overtaken by Max Verstappen and the Toro Rosso. Those kind of guys are gonna gonna have something to say a little bit more. I think I think the two guys that they've got, they're fortunate and are pretty chilled and will deal with it. You can't think of two better guys really to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from Rebel, then let's take a look at Force India. Uh, uh, as with a lot of teams, they've retained their drivers from last year. Um, we've never really been um, that worried about drivers at Force India. They do tend to um, go <laughs> for better quality drivers than necessarily looking for pay drivers, which is always something to be admired in this day and age. Um, yep, very true. Testing times, uh, you know they put in some fast laps though you know we're ahead of um you know by the end of it ahead of pretty much everybody bar the ferraris and the mercedes um do you think that there is a shift or there has been a shift in the force india's performance or is it a case that they were doing something very different during the winter tests to try and attract interest in the team because financially obviously they are not in the greatest place. I would be surprised if they weren't running skinny fuel loads for for certain. They'll they'll be on they'll be on low fuel. Uh, I think their package is probably solid. I think their package is probably a Force India car. It's probably exactly the same as it's been for the last three seasons. It'll be there. It'll pick up points. I don't expect it to challenge the Ferrari, the Mercedes. It it might get the odd podium, but yeah. It's probably in and around the Williams on the Red Bull. It's, it's, where, it's where I'd expect them to be. I definitely think that the um, that they'll be on the low fuel. I think that you might be right with that theory regarding the finance. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but <laughs> my cynical mind thinks that that is something Force India would try and do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Good old BJ. Yeah, you know, like I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing they would do. So maybe there is something in that. But <laughs> quickly, guys, yeah. go faster! My, my last they're checks just, just bounced. They're just—I like Force India, but they're just going to—I just—they're just going to be Force India this year, I think, aren't they? They're just going to be eighth and ninth every year, every week. Uh, pro- I like their two drivers, Hulkenberg and Perez. Big fan of both of them. So I think the drivers will eat whatever that car's got in it. Those drivers will get it out of it. Uh, generally, as long as Nico Hulkenberg isn't driving into the side of people like he did <laughs> last season, channeling um, his inner pastor for a couple of races <laughs> last season, I think they, they'll probably be they'll probably be some races that suits their car better than others. Uh, before India, probably it'll probably like the uh, the the high the high speed the Monzas and things like that. I would suspect. Uh, yeah, it definitely strikes me as a car that will be really good one week when the track suits it and then really rank average the next week and it's just whether it's on a go in day or not is there anything force india can do within themselves as uh, you know as they are now to make that leap or i think serious outside investment is the only solution i was going to say because this aston martin deal has fallen through 
quite yeah. spectacularly. Yeah, and um, that was a shame because not only would that have boosted the team financially, but it would have been a very just cool little sight to see the Aston Martin name around Formula One. Uh, yeah, now nah, they need they need they need investment. Fair play to VJ. I didn't expect Force India to be still actually in the game <laughs> and getting the success on the track that they have done in their own way for as long as they have. I expected Force India, when they first came in, to be more of a, I don't know, one of those teams from the early 2000s, Spiker, uh, Midland. <laughs> yes. Uh, whoever else. I don't know. Arrows, although they were there for, they were in, they were there for a while. But yeah, you know, I didn't expect them to be hanging around as long as they have done. But VJ, and he's there every week at the, at the on the pit wall and stuff. He, he grafts. He's working. He's he's doing his best. They're, they're struggling financially at times. So fair play for all of that. They've done well to get where they are, but they've definitely hit the glass ceiling. And if they without further investment, they're just going to be where they are. I think. Which is not, there's no shame in that. Not, not everybody can be Mercedes and Ferrari, but I don't know, it's whether they're content with that. Whether VG's content putting in all the graft that he does for sixth place in the constructors every season. Renault next. Oh, sorry, bit of a voice crack there. Renault. Uh, the former Lotus team. Um, the new kids on the block in both, uh, yep. obviously, new car and new driver pairing. Um, Very excited to see what they can do. Yes. As uh, I said, we discussed Red Bull, though. The fact that it took so long to get them sorted is the obvious question mark as to are they going to be on the ball right away? Is it going to take six races before we start seeing some improvement from them? Not sure. Well, only time will tell, I think. Yeah, again, testing timesheet-wise for Team Fastest Lap, uh, seventh, so they're behind the the Rebels by uh, four-tenths. Um, but they sort of headed up the next group, really, which was um, the McLaren, Sauber, Manor and Haas team. Um, yeah. all, all teams not doing the same kind of testing um, as the other teams for various reasons, one suspects. Um, <laughs> but the fact that, you know... On super softs, they only just broke the one twenty fours, and across the weekends, the least reliable car, which surprises you with a completely new team on the on the grid in in Haas, you would have assumed, yeah, uh, would true. probably have been the the car with the most mechanical faults, um, <laughs> and a, and a McLaren Honda that last season proved to double <laughs> you might have considered might have had another bad testing. Um, <laughs> How you have to assume the Renault move away outside of all the takeover nonsense, still not a very good engine, ultimately, is it? It's good, so it was it was ultimately down on power compared to the Ferrari and, and the Mercedes. They're not, going to, they're not going to have found much over the winter, I wouldn't have thought. Well, the other thing is, is really, if you if you think about it, you know, for for much of last season, they were still um planning on being. Rebel suppliers, they weren't, you know, they weren't coming into the sport. Um, and now, <laughs> now they're a team. <laughs> now they're a team, and... fully fledged, functioning team. Yeah. So, so it's it just gonna... it just makes me wonder, really, 
Um, a bit, a bit like Red Bull. Then a year of just taking it on the chin, doing research, gathering the data, and having a, a right, a right go at it the following year, probably. I mean, that's what it, that's what I would have assumed. Um, when they, when they first came back into the, the game in the early two thousands with Fernando Alonso, that's generally what happened. Then they took a year, sort of getting up to speed. <coughs> oh, sorry. And it's worth remembering that, you know, they, they took over the Lotus team, which had a Mercedes unit in the back of it. So they must have spent most of their time fitting their Renault into the back of a car that wasn't designed to accept it. So they can't have done as much aero work as all of the other teams because they, they've just had to get the packaging right. Um, that's true. I'd forgotten that the Mercedes was in the, the Lotus at the end of last season. That's, that's actually quite a big deal, actually. Uh, when you just think of a, from an engineering standpoint, because mm-hmm. that car's gone from having a Renault engine in it to having like was it just one season the Mercedes I think yes and then going back to having a Renault engine in it, which is just no good, no good at all really from from like the engineers must be in the you know the aero guys and that must be tearing their hair out <laughs> having so much top chopping and changing between components. But yeah, I don't think they're expecting miracles. Uh, do you think they you know if we if we take you know 11 teams on the grid means somewhere between 6th and 7th is excuse me somewhere between 6th and 7th is halfway up on the results board is that an acceptable thing for both teams for Rebel and Renault if they finish 6th and 7th um, although I guess Rebel will be unhappy that they finish by Toro Rosso but I I think well I think Renault wouldn't complain with that. I think Red Bull would. Even with the turbulence and all the nonsense that's been going on, I think Red Bull will still be disappointed if they're not third, at worst fourth, behind okay. behind Mercedes and Ferrari. They, I think, I think they'll be disappointed if they if they're not if they're not ahead of Toros and Force India. Okay, even then if it, even if Red Bull are all focused on twenty seventeen uh, and Red yeah, even still like. It's been focused on 2017, but they still, I think they still should be expecting themselves, that they themselves will expect to finish ahead of Force India and Toro Rosso, definitely. Okay. Uh, so, Toro Rosso then. Um, dark horses for podium places or um, plucky underdogs who should be happy when they come fifth or sixth? Uh, that's a difficult one. That's a tough one. I'm not. I need to see more from the speed of their car, obviously, than just what we've seen testing. But I'd be surprised if they were getting as close to the podium. As that, I think they might get they might get one in the season, but I would be surprised if they got more than one podium all season. Just because I think Ferrari and Mercedes, there's four cars right away, and I think even though the Williams just stagnating a little bit and the Red Bulls focusing on the following season, yeah, I think there's still a lot of competition in there. It's just so it's so tight in the midfield that it's hard to nail down anybody as consistently getting podiums. I think 
Like for Cindy, I'll pick up one or two. Tyler Ross, I'll pick up one or two. Williams, I'll pick up one or two. So competitive in that midfield. Uh, well, absolutely. It's certainly where I believe the, the competition's coming this season. Um, the Stafford and Sons Jr., possibly the most exciting pairing potentially on the grid, although we didn't didn't really speak too much about the, the Renault drivers. Um, of course, yeah. Let, let's, let's go back and talk about that, actually, real quickly. Um, Magnussen and Palmer. So, obviously, Palmer is the former GTP2 champion, um, uh-huh. or, uh, or, although two seasons now. Uh, Magnussen, the former McLaren driver, so has F1 experience, uh, winner of uh, Renault 3.5, uh, ahead of Stoffel van Dorn um, in, in the season that they were, t- uh, you know, uh, yep. in the same league. Do you expect this to be an even battle, or do you feel that maybe K Mag ha- has the edge with uh, the experience, or do you think, you know, Palmer might come in more hungry, you know, less disillusioned? And don't know a lot about Julian Palmer. Would be really kind of guessing to be honest but i'm delighted to see magnuson on the grid because if he had dropped off the f1 radar and not got back and onto it after that one season in mclaren that really bugged me just from a, a philosophical point of what is wrong with a lot of formula one at the moment uh with the young guys coming through from the from the feeder systems so i'm absolutely thrilled magnuson He's got his chance. I think, and this is, this is kind of guesswork because I don't know that much about Julian, but I, I, w- I would expect Magnussen to, to have the edge. But he's got the season under his belt in a team like McLaren. The fact that he gave Van Dorn uh, such competition in, in their feeder series, and we know how good Van Dorn looks like being, having hacked up a GP2 last season. Yeah, the, the, the former Magnussen looks strong. I think he'll ultimately win the battle in the team, but for uh, I'm I'm relatively blind on Julian, so I might be doing him a disservice. But if I was having a bet, I think Magnussen would come out on top. Okay. Uh, so back to Toro Rosso, uh, Max and Carlos. Uh, Another two young, exciting guys to go along with the the two Renault guys. His future is bright with talent. Like the future is bright with talent. It, it certainly it's is. Just getting, it's just getting them drives. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and decent drives at that. Um, Max was obviously the um, wunderkind uh, last season. Uh, far too many people, in my opinion, talking about him being uh, a future world champion. Far too early for that, you know. The second they started mentioning teams like Ferrari and Mercedes and things, and it was getting silly. Well, it, it is because everybody can have one, you know one good season. Um, James Beating and Kevin Phillips will tell you that it's entirely possible <laughs> to do well one season and then never be heard of again. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that'll be the case with Max, but I wonder how much the weight of expectation will take. You know, last season he had nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in incredibly young. He was fearless um, at times, and yeah, nobody nobody was thinking about anything. And poor old. Carlos Sainz has been sat in the wings at Red Bull and Toro Rosso, you know, for, for seasons now, waiting for his drive, which is, you know, is, is fair because that's that's how the team works, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Buemi was, you know, sat in the background waiting for ages to get his, you know, his drive and uh, and all of these kind of people. Um, Jev as well. Um, do you think that Possibly the long game favours Carlos Sainz Jr. That, you know, being in and around and understanding and 
you know, being so close to that drive for so long might just in the end make him a more stable racer. And, you know, whilst Max uh, clearly has, uh, you know, a big set of cojones on him, that might come actually come back and bite him when he's expected to um, be consistent about bringing home points for the team. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. I think Carlos Sainz, Max has obviously got raw raw speed. It's whether that might just uh, for every time that that gains him a point or two on the track, it may also cost him a point or two by pushing the limits. Uh, Carlos Sainz strikes me more of the uh, the consistent Fernando Alonso type of just every week. You know, getting the best out of the car that he can, solid drive, bring the car home, points. Whereas Max is a bit more flashy. I definitely would agree with that. Which is why it's actually quite a good pairing, uh, because, you know, they've got slightly different styles in that sense from what, from what I can see. Which is why the, um, yeah, it could, it, could, it could work for them, you know. It could, it, could, it could work out nicely. I like that in a team, you know. Two guys with, you know, you can't have two... Two really flashy guys that might bend it in the wall every week and and end up with no points, you know. So, um, moving on then to Sauber, um, same driver lineup as last year, um, so they've managed to stick with Marcus Ericsson for some unknown reason. Um, uh, bank balance quite possibly has quite a large amount to do with that. Um, and Felipe Mazza, who I think was, um for the car that he was driving fairly impressive last season i must admit he um i will put my hands up and say that at the start of the season i said i didn't see very much of him from his gp2 driving and didn't expect him to do very well but he um seemed to me to be quite clearly a, a good step ahead of Marcus marcus erickson in terms of uh raw talent um yeah i think that was fair definitely he uh he the problem with them is, is, is it's a bit like Force India, but on a worse scale. They just don't have any financial investment, so they'll turn up if the if the, if the, t- the car that designs decent, you just know it's not going to get the development that it's required throughout the season to compete. So they're probably just going to, at worst, level off at best level off, and at worst, decline through the field, which is kind of what happened last season, which is a shame because I agree with you. Nasser in the first half of the season last season showed that he's he's got something. Ericsson, not so much. Uh, I don't expect Sauber to be... I expect only, uh, they'll, the only teams that they'll be ahead of are the Manor and the Hasses, I think. And, and the Hass, I'm still, could be anything. But yeah, I expect Sauber to be ahead of the Manors and the Hasses, but behind everybody else, probably. What do you think? Uh, I think that's uh, exactly where they'll be. Um, yeah. I think um, the, the team we are yet to come on to will when they are at the point of putting pedal to the metal uh full out and you know that you know the 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 time comes for ultimate pace i don't see them being on the same plane as sauber um they should and if they don't stay ahead of mana then um they have done something phenomenally wrong um because the mana car which we'll talk on to doesn't to me inspire me with confidence for it to be a particularly quick car. Uh, and nobody in their first season should be beating 
a team like Sauber with this experience, even if it doesn't have uh, the same kind of access to resources that has 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 had. Um, you know, it's it's almost unthinkable to me that we could talk about Sauber being behind those two teams. Yeah. But no, sadly, there is a small possibility that it will be the case. I don't think it will be, but it, it certainly could be. Any more thoughts on? Nah, not particularly. The uh, they're not a very interested team. <laughs> no, it's very sad. Um, Long so, gone are the Robert Kubica BMW days. Yeah, and our our favourite Nick Heidfeld. My, uh, uh, I like their livery. <laughs> yes, the yellow and blue is quite nice, isn't it? And it it's nice like to have a car a that stands out that you can recognise immediately and go, oh yeah, there's the Sauber. I like it a lot. It's one of my favourites on the grid. And I like Fred Nazza, but they just they're not you just know you're not you know what you're getting with Sauber. You know they aren't gonna develop the car very well. So it's kinda like no you know when you're kinda beat in the first minute, so it's hard to get too interested. Mm. So moving on to my favourite team. So, the fact that it's taken us this long to get onto them yes. shows how badly it's last not great, season went really. for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, starting in the garages, you know, two, three from the end is not like, not really <laughs> what they would have wanted them to have been. But um, well, at least they won't have to put on the pit lane speed, speed limit very long when they get out of the their pit stops. Um, oh, McLaren Honda, um, yes. hundreds of laps. Admittedly, one day of downtime due to a hydraulic leak um, uh, that proved to be tricky to fix, but not a an integral failure since it didn't appear again during the uh, during the testing. Um, no fast times really. Uh, their fastest time was in the one twenty fours, but consistently so, um, and. Would we presume, and you can disagree if you like, but would we presume no low fuel running, all about testing components, making sure that when under continued pressure, they don't fail, they don't overheat, they don't do all the things that they were doing constantly last season? Yeah, you would have to assume that that's where their focus lied, um, oddly. Uh... it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, McLaren. But I think they'll be better than last season, but I'm still not sure. I'm still not convinced that they're going to be ahead of anybody other than the Saubers below. I'm just not. I'm not sure there's ultimate pace in that Honda engine yet. I think it might be like the Renault. I think it might just be fundamentally outpaced by the Ferrari and the the Mercedes, and it's going to take more than one winter to sort that. So if they get the reliability right now in these tests and going into the season, certainly a massive step forward from last season. Whether they've got the pace, I'm not sure. You probably think that they do. I don't know is a simple answer, and I, I've I've said this online a lot um, when talking to people about it. When people are, and I'm going to lump you in this category, 
I think, unwarrantedly pessimistic about I, the yeah. pace of the car. That's, that's I just say, a fair assessment, like, yeah, of, of me in this situation. Yeah, <laughs> I am. On, I am pessimistic. I don't. I can't really explain it. I've just got. A, I've just got a hunch. I have got a gut feeling that it's, it's going to be slow. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I certainly, you know. I'm certainly not saying that you can't think that, um, or anything ridiculous like that. Well, I like to be proven wrong. It's not like I'm going in here going. I, I, I'm, it's not like I'm going in here going. There's no way this. There's no way that. I just, yeah, I don't I, know what it is. I, they, prob- they, they probably compete with the Red Bulls and the Renaults. That's where they'll be, I think. And I think that at, at best, yeah. that I think is a reasonable assessment. I think. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, the the way you've got to look at it is, and it's it was such a weird test for them, because the first test they brought essentially half the engine. Um, I think they bought the components that they were most worried about. So I suspect the the you know the modified turbo that that they've been working on to try and make it more reliable and work better and uh, probably a bit bigger than it was the previous season. And all that was was about running to make sure that when it ran, it did the numbers that it was supposed to instead of last season's turbo, which was supposed to run these amazing numbers and absolutely didn't. Um, and then I think the second part of the, the, the test was to bolt on a few other bits and pieces, general improvements to the car uh, and, you know, to the engine and bits and pieces um, and test again that they weren't going to explode, melt, um, vaporize, you know, you name it, whatever um you you can think of and i think if that's cracked then a team like mclaren with the expertise of honda can certainly find pace throughout a season i don't necessarily think they'll turn up at australia and be competitive or china um or bahrain which i think is the the race after that um I think a lot of the first races will be about them trying things, seeing if they work, seeing if that really gives them closer to the ultimate pace that they're expecting out of the car. But I see no reason at all why they couldn't potentially, and this is all in the bounds of various, be exactly as fast as the Force Indies have been. I don't see that that is an impossibility or something that people should just discount because the winter test wasn't showing them running in in the 123s. Mm-hmm. Um I think <laughs> I think that they could be as bad as you said. This is also within the realms of possibility. So fair it's a, it's a, there's a wide a wide range of where they could fit in, and, you know. And I agree with that. And Formula 1 tends to tell you that things generally ended up being somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. because that's how the teams generally work they work on those kind of principles of you know the best return for investment and bits and pieces that if if the reliability is there uh not if it doesn't need to be bulletproof but if it's you know decent enough on on a par with the rest of the the midfield then i would see no reason why we don't see lots of on-track battle between the mclaren the renault and the red bull Mm uh and and then Dicing it with a bit of the Force Indies, a bit of the Toros, a bit of the Williams, it's depending on who is, uh, what what track is suiting the style of car that certain teams have, the way they set their cars up. So well, they, they, they will be in that midfield if the reliability is there. I just think they're just going to be near the tail end of the midfield still this season, whereas 
they, they, they should they should be ahead of the Manners, the the Serbers, and the Hasses. No problem. I think they'll be closer to the midfield than they will be to the to the other guys, but still just just tagging on to the back of that midfield. Whereas last season they were running a hundred yards behind the midfield. This season they're going to be just tagging on to the back of it, I think. And then next season is when hopefully they'll leapfrog it in theory. So. Just to show you that I'm trying to be as even-handed as I can, it's worth pointing out that during the tests on their straights, on the speed trap times, they appear to still be about 20 kph behind yeah. the which Mercedes. Is, which is um, kind of the gut feeling I had as well, yeah. But I don't think that's as bad as it was last season. Yeah, probably not, yeah. And, not. and again, I also wouldn't take it as red that that is necessarily the ultimate distance between all of the teams. Because mm-hmm. A, I don't think McLaren would have been necessarily all that interested in testing full deployment yeah. of that no, particular I, point. I can um, agree with that. And we don't know what the other teams were doing, you know, with, with all of those. It's all speculation, of yeah. But I, I'd, I'd certainly, you know, I'd certainly not discount them going up from being, you know, eighth in the in the fastest times table to being, you know, somewhere in and around where all the teams. Uh, uh, all the midfield teams are pretty much running right now. So, Jensen and Fernando, mm-hmm. no much needs to be said there. Two of the, in fact, probably the two most experienced drivers on the grid, I think. Uh, well, well, other than Ma- Massa, really, isn't it, really? And... Uh, no, they're both more experienced than Felipe, I think. Kimi will be the only other one, although he missed a couple of seasons, obviously, when he was yeah. off driving. Well, Jensen uh, has to be. Jen- driving four desperate. Uh, it is Jensen. Must be uh, the, the oldest, and I would have thought Fernando, if isn't the second, would be the third, I think. Yeah, I think Jen- Kimi debuted before Fernando, but Kimi had years off where yeah. Fernando didn't. Anyway, point is, two guys, we say it every time when we spoke about McLaren last season, the two guys, if you're going to develop a car from scratch, which is what they're doing, they're the two guys that you want. So mm-hmm. deli- delighted to see particularly Jensen still in the game. Uh, the big question for me is, did McLaren get, they didn't get a podium last season? No. Will get a podium this season? Uh, again, I think in it's, your humble opinion. In, in my your, humble your opinion, heart, the, I think heart, the, ch- hearts. the chances are incredibly slim. Um, I, I think, you know, and, unless they turn up in Australia and you know the the pace is improved so much that we suddenly go, oh, so clearly testing was all about reliability, and now actually when we see the car's true pace, it's got a lot more in it than anybody could have ever ex- have expected. You know, unless that happens, I don't think that they will be able to v- develop themselves up to the point where they are challenging the Ferraris for a podium. But ultimately, that doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't couldn't get a podium because other teams than Ferrari got podiums last season. Um, sure. and yeah, it, just and it, if everything slots into place, you know. I, I think that's the case. Is that I think that there could be a, there could be scenarios potentially where the car would be in a position to take advantage of that given the way that the car is running and, and all those bits and pieces. I don't think that they'll get there on pure pace. Um, but I would say exactly the same thing of Renault and Red Bull. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah, and probably Toro Rosso. Um, Agreed. I, 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 that's no slight on any of those teams uh, whatsoever. Yep. That's just, you know, the teams I expect to get podiums and, or, and teams with outside chances of podiums are Williams and Force India and then teams who have to have it you know, have the planets align for those next mm-hmm. two teams, and then God knows about the 
Salva Hass and Manon. I think they're they're on a wing and a prayer. They're, they're hoping for a you know a Monaco '96 kind of kind of race. Indy 2005. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just six run. <laughs> um, so let's try and wrap this up because uh, we're running dangerously close to an hour and a half, which uh, yep. is usually when we try and sign off. Let's do Manor and Hass kind of all in one go um, because I think in terms of interesting debates about you know. Um, where teams are relative to one another, these two, in a way, have the most interesting battle. At least it'll be nice to see a bit of battle at the end, rather than just having one team like Manor last year so cut. It was so sad. It was so sad, and the team didn't deserve it because that you know they worked harder than anybody else yeah. to get to the grid. Um, so yeah, it's been nice to see them have somebody to play with at the end. Uh, so and, essentially, and... essentially, what we've got with both of them, in a way, is the backing of a bigger team. Um, mm-hmm. Manor are clearly being helped out in some way by Mercedes. Um, and Haas, as we know, are almost all but in name a Ferrari B team mm-hmm. uh, with the amount of help that they've got. Um, which of those two ways of looking at this do you think is the correct way to go? Haas's way of getting Ferrari to essentially build them a a basic chassis and car um and then just get it and then well we've, we've got it there's not you know now we've got to do something with it or manners attempt where they're essentially they've still continued to build their car from last season um but i suspect have accepted mercedes help in trying to get the the engine in the back of it and getting that to work well you know manners admirable i think ultimately the Haas guys are probably slightly more successful i think there's more scope for improvement in the Haas team I think Haas might turn up slower than the Manor, but then within five, six races might progress beyond them. Nothing but admiration for the way Manor have gone about their business because they look deader than the Dodo at one stage. Oh, wow. We we Uh, all assumed that it would be Catrum who would be still alive and running if any team was now. So, fair play. I think ultimately the Haas might have more potential, uh, might have more scope for improvement throughout the season. (laughs) Not sure though. At the end of it, could be there are. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Haas goes under race conditions. Yes. Uh, I hope it's at least competitive with the Manor, and uh, I hope it's not far from the Sauber either. If it's if, just just so that you know, it justifies them coming into the game because if they. If they've turned up and they're miles off the pace in the way that the HRT guys and that were back in the day, it kind of makes the whole, it just makes a mockery of, yes. why don't you join Formula One kind of thing. So, yeah, I hope they're at least attached to the train as opposed to being cut adrift. So, interestingly, Mana have stuck with the longer nose design. Um Whilst literally every other car on the grid has gone with a shorter nose, uh, in this in the vein of Mercedes, um, and I think that that to me is a signal of some intent in a way, and it's a signal in some way of how much help Haas have had that they've been able to develop a short nose, which by obviously all accounts is not a simple thing to do because mm-hmm. otherwise you know mclaren and red bull and and red would, would have already. all done it within <laughs> five seconds of seeing the how quick the mercedes was um you know it took them a season to, to develop their own versions of it um and longer for some um mm. 
Yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. I think the Haas has more scope for potential for sure. But uh, and they have Grosjean, who I'm a huge fan of. So, but let but. me let me butt in here, Sean. Look at what happened to Lotus when they stuck a Mercedes engine in the back of their what was a True. fairly average car. It suddenly True. was, you know, much much better. True. Um, given that I think we say the Mercedes engine is better than the Ferrari engine. Could that in and of itself not provide more than enough to keep Manor well ahead of Haas? Hmm. More reliable engine potentially as well. Yeah, well, possibly. Yeah, more most likely. The truth is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Take a punch. If you if you if you said you you're saying let let's say it this way, uh, Mercedes yeah. engine versus Ferrari uh engineering in terms of the car design what would you what would you pay the money well, it's for? more valuable yeah the Merck engine i think is more valuable yeah ultimately i think but, that's 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 the way i would have gone with it as well i'd rather have both but, but i wonder if the manor chassis build is so poor <laughs> it that, could be. that it negates, negates the, all the, the... the, the engine work. That's, what, that's the debate I'm having here so I don't know I think when I turn up at Australia I think the Manor might outqualify the Haas but I think by Catalonia the Haas might outqualify the Manor that's okay. what I would say but um, I'm not not sure we'll it, see but... it, it's something I'm incredibly interested in and I always have been yeah. interested in in the very back marker battles because I think they can provide it's uh, certainly more interested this season than it's been for a while with the yes. Haas guys coming in absolutely and a different way of doing things. Um, driver lineups, though, Haas wins hands down, don't they, really? Uh, Roman Grosjean, incredibly experienced. We know yep. he's quick. Um, we know that he's uh, experienced and, you know, uh, and can bring a car home. He's not... He can carry a team a little bit as well these days. Yes. He was at Lotus carrying that team for a couple of seasons in the last mm -hmm. few years. He was the man. He wasn't just, you know, the young pup anymore. He matured into, a, into someone that, you know, took the team on his shoulders. So that's great for Haas, sure, absolutely. Uh, and Gutierrez, who, you know, whilst he didn't set the world alight when he was um He's got a bit of experience, hasn't he? He has, and he wasn't he wasn't terribly off pace in any way, shape or form. Um Pascal Verlin has been, you know, driving the Mercedes on and off in, you know, practicing tests, but has no F one experience. Um and Rio Harianto how he's managed to get a driver in Formula One, I have <laughs> absolutely no clue about beyond anybody else. Um, <laughs> Stupid, eh? <laughs> well, you know, fair fair play that he's the first Indonesian driver in Formula One and all those bits and pieces. And I'm sure the massive check that the Indonesian government probably are giving Mana um, helps soften the blow so much. But um, in testing, he spun the car three times, twice at the same corner. And, you know given that the car is clearly not can't possibly be as on the edge as the leading runners i i worry about a driver that's you know that that's in that kind of position and they're making that kind of because i mean everybody can make mistakes you know don't get me wrong but mm -hmm. it, it seemed that's not an auspicious start for me for somebody whose manner have to hope come in and can do a job yeah, yeah maldonado did plenty of stupid things but he never really spun the car completely no I he mean, just crashed into other moving things. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that if um, the Venezuelan financial situation had been more stable, 
there'd have been a he reasonable chance he, yeah. he, he Manor would have tried much harder to get him but yeah um, every I, chance yeah. yeah I think they couldn't count on his sponsorship which is probably why they weren't that fussed on on chasing him down but um it really I like Pascal for what for what it's worth I like Pascal well he seems so. you know when when he's doing the test he doesn't seem to be you know hopelessly outpaced or be you know doing a Luca Badoa or anything like that <laughs> um but what <laughs> can you, see, yeah. what can you possibly learn about him in a manner, you know, it, it, he has to destroy Harry Anto, and I don't think I don't think that's that much of a challenge, if I'm completely honest. It shouldn't um, be hard for him, should it? <laughs> no, it was like you know when Daniel Ricciardo went to the HRT and yeah. he utterly showed up Noreen Karthikeyan, which is not difficult either. Um, it's a similar situation, really. Exactly. Actually. So there's very little for him to really do. He has to stay ahead of the Hasses. Uh, and if you know, if it turns out that one of the other you know midfield teams actually is incredibly slow in race trim, be chasing down those and trying to make it look like there's some competition there. Um, but presumably, if it all fails, he'll just go back to Mercedes. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, and it's still experience and driving a race environment, I suppose. So like experience of the daft things that F- Formula One gives you that no no other formula. No other formula can, like, uh, I don't know, stupid <laughs> stupid uh, qualifying rules, for example, yes. or stupid tyre or something like that. Experience of all of that nonsense that, you know, you need to learn somewhere, so you might as well learn it when the pressure's off, I guess. Uh, throw them straight into a, a Mercedes and learn on the job of Mercedes and making a hash of it. So. Yeah, that's, well, that's certainly true enough. Invaluable experience, ultimately, at the end of the day. Didn't do it. Didn't do Danny Rick any harm. Well, nope. This is entirely true. This is entirely true. Some might argue that it did Kevin Magnussen some harm, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see how his season goes this season. Before well, he was he would be the other. He he was the one that was thrown into the deep end. Yes, he he would have benefited from a season at Porsche Day. I suppose that, like that that might well have been true. That might He'd have benefited from that anyway. Yeah. Uh, we've had a few uh, a couple of uh, predictions pop in uh, via Twitter at um, Rob underscore King Twelve. Uh, has said Ferrari, and I have to say K Mag and Julian Palmer, or I'll get any in the groin from under the pub table. Um, Rob is uh, <laughs> our super fan, Carly Taylor's uh, other half, so I suspect that is, uh, <laughs> as as everybody should know by now, Carly is a very big uh, Lotus now Renault fan. So <laughs> suspect uh, that that's more than a little true, quite possibly. Um, and obviously, I think we can take from that who um, Carly is is betting on uh, this season. Um, Scott Lamond, who you may remember, hopefully you do remember, from our season-ending podcast the last two years. Um, that's at uh, SL underscore 37, uh, Um He's going for the Mercedes again, but believes that uh, as Rosberg was on at the end of end of last year and Hamilton has more and more distractions he thinks we'll have a new winner in 2016 I like his style of thought <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you might possibly um, oh and Carly says uh, you cannot live 10 minutes from Enstone and say the F word so I think that uh, yeah that, that definitely um, <laughs> that definitely says on where uh, the, <laughs> her allegiances lie <laughs> um, well I think that brings us nicely to the end of this this season preview. I think we've we've covered everything in the detail that needs to be covered. We are now what, just a week away from um... two. Is it a week today? Is it two? Yeah. Weeks? two two weeks today. Two weeks today, isn't it? Yeah, two weeks today. Melbourne. 
Albert Park, my favourite. Yes. Yeah, one of the one of those interesting tracks. N- never very good as a as an indicator necessarily of how the season's going to go, but True. that almost makes it more fun. It's um, great, always good drama, always good drama. So, uh, as always, thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Um, remember that you can always uh, keep up to date with the latest episodes and latest news about what's going on in the podcast at our website, which is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at Last Lap Podcast, and we're trying very hard this season to uh, uh, get our Twitter experience to be a bit more interactive. So if you have... <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't even have the uh, the password for the Twitter. It's just all Andrew. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, that'll, be, that'll be my new season resolution to help the Twitter out. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at Last Lap Podcast, um, tweet us your thoughts on... You know, our episodes uh, on the races, uh, on your favourite drivers, favourite teams, uh, rule changes, anything. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, as this episode has shown, we will definitely be uh, reading out your tweets. Um, stick, out a, stick out a Twitter poll. Does anybody like the new qualifying? Yes. Yeah, and I think I'm... Is there one person that likes it? Probably not. <laughs> I think I'll, I will do that. Once I post the uh, the episode, I'll, uh, uh-huh. I'll do that one. Um and also find us on Facebook. Just search for uh, The Last Lap Podcast or The Last Lap F1 Podcast uh, and like us on there. Uh, we post all of our episodes there and we also share as much F1 uh, funny and random stuff uh, that we can find on there. So it's a good place to uh, uh, find a few things that you won't see on uh, most other Formula One websites. Um, so once again, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I hope, like us, you're all excited for Formula One 2016 and we'll be speaking again soon after Albert Park. See you then. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys.